You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, I'm Sean Tice, and you're welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited to have my guest today, Andre Anderson, man. It's great to have you. Hey, man, it's, it's cool to be here, man. We out here partying. Dude, I, 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 I just, I don't know. I, we've, we've known each other for, uh, I think, maybe four years, something like that. We met each other at an event, uh, Lead the Generation. We were both speaking at that event, and we just kind of connected there. We have uh, different backgrounds, but similar stories. And so just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at right now, and then we'll dive into your story. Oh, oh man. So where I'm at, I'm, currently I'm in Pittsburgh. I uh, grew up in Pittsburgh. I uh, just moved back here after 24 years. Uh, hey, so, right there, man. Right there. Right there. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, so I mean, we're doing terrible this year. But then... Yeah, you know, it, it it happens. Yeah. So, so sorry, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So, yeah, but we're living in Pittsburgh. I run a virtual church called Barbecue Church. And uh, I barbecue food all the time. I did. I, I smoked pork chops last night. They were delicious. So that's awesome. Awesome. Tell us more about barbecue church. So what, what, what brought you to that? You're I, I've seen it on Facebook and I think it's a great, great concept. Tell us more about it. The, the fast version is I started smoking food in about in 2020, whenever things got boring and I started a Facebook group called barbecue assembly of God, because I thought it was hilarious. And we quickly grew and then people said, man, you should start a church. And I really felt the call of God to start barbecue church. I was going to just do videos of me smoking food. And I really felt like the Lord goes, no, you're a pastor. You're going to lead people to Jesus through barbecue. And so I've been doing all just sermons. I do virtual sermons every week um, with the exception of father's day, which is hilarious that we're talking about it. But um I don't do anything on Father's Day for a specific reason. And um, and yeah, it just it's something that works. I mean, we're reaching about a thousand people a month with the gospel through barbecue. So it's fun. That's awesome. But, I lost it's, it's and it's great how you're just being innovative and just trying to reach um people maybe that don't go to church. Uh, just that content. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. And you're doing it in Pittsburgh, man. That's I, I love Pittsburgh. My my son, I, I was talking. Well, I had Aaron hold on before, and I told him I said my son just loves Pittsburgh. He's 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 all about it. We've when I when I was a youth pastor in Florida, we would come up to Pennsylvania visit family, and then we'd go uh, vacation in Pittsburgh for a few days. And and I think he just enjoyed going and seeing Heinz Field and all that stuff. So that's great. And then his thirteenth uh, birthday, we took him to a, a Steelers game as his big present for his thirteenth. Tried to meet the thirteenth one, a big one. So I mean, we were up in the nosebleeds, but we got to experience it. And so. Since then, he's a he's a, a hardcore Steelers guy, even though we're struggling a little bit. But hey, defense wins championships, right? So I kind of guess we can kind of ride on that. But I think it's I think it's great what you're doing, man. I think your your ministry is awesome. Um, the reason why I, I wanted to have you on was when we connected. I think it was at Lead the Generation. You shared some of your story with me. So would you kind of go back? Let's rewind uh, back to your childhood. Tell us about um, you know the the Andre the little Andre and tell us tell us what what uh you know how how it all started and tell us about your story of fatherlessness man it's so funny they hear they hear the concept of little Andre I'm like like you just start me and my brother were just talking about like the way we grew up and it's you know it's wild and we're 
sitting here, I'm at 44 years old, like, good night. Like, how do we survive? Uh, <laughs> you know, so my mom, uh, my mom got pregnant with me at youth camp. So uh, she oh, wow. was 13 years old, got pregnant with me, uh, having she's 14. And my dad went to the army. So my dad went to the army whenever he, you know, he graduated high school, went straight to the army. Um, my parents actually went to the same church. So we we're Salvation Army Church in Homewood uh, out here in Pittsburgh. And so I knew both sides of my family. I, I knew them. I had a relationship with my dad. Technically, you know, we wrote letters and all that. Um, I had a I had a step. Well, I got a stepdad. I was about four years old. My mom remarried and had my little brother, Mike. My stepdad was not a very nice person to me uh, because I wasn't his biological son. So that was a whole that was a whole ordeal uh, because you have you have a boy growing up in a home with a man that's not his father who doesn't like him. And all I wanted was for him to actually like me, you know, and show me the same love that he showed his own son. But it was uh, so it was difficult. It was a difficult time. Uh, let's, let's see, I think sixth grade, um, I mean, there, there was a time in the fifth grade, the police came and it was a whole thing at the school. Uh, so they tried to take me away from my family because of uh, the way that things were going back at my house. Uh, the way I would end up coming to school, they were like, uh, your bruise is a little too bad. Uh, things like that. Uh, I ended up making sure that that didn't happen because I wasn't leaving my mom. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up in this, in this just different style of environment. My mom got her life together with the Lord in about the seventh grade for me. Uh, my stepdad actually got, my mom prayed him out of the house, which is hilarious. Like she literally prayed and he just stopped coming home, Mm. uh, started living somewhere else and kind of funny, hilarious. Um, and so I grew up in a way where, um, let's see, I think eighth, eighth grade, I started going to a school at Assembly God Church, and the Lord just started placing men in my life that started helping me, helping develop me in a healthy way. Because uh, I saw, I didn't really see much healthy development. Um, you know, it was no healthy guidance, no healthy leadership. You know, it was just here and there. Um, but now... You know, it moving through like we we made it. Uh, it was just uh, it was just different. It was just different. But, you know, through all of it, you for me, I just see where God placed men in my life to help me become who I needed to be, uh, to help me not grow up weird uh, and, you know, completely deficient um, as a lot of times we can, if you know, not having that positive uh, positive role model. You know, my mom is remarried now, uh, to an amazing dude and, you know, calls me son, you know, he's my dad, you know, he's, you know, he's my guy. You know, my dad moved back from the army. I want to say when I was in the seventh or eighth grade, literally, I mean, lived probably 150 yards away from me, you know, like close. So, um, which caused a lot of stuff in in the home with my stepdad to kind of calm down because 
my dad was one, he was in the army, two, he was crazy. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and so I got to see him, I got to hang out with him. Um, you know, um, then grow up, you know, growing up, I mean, I got, I got married, had kids, you know, trying to be my own, you know, be a father to my own children and be a great husband to my wife and do all that. You know, my, my biological father actually passed away six, seven years ago. Um, and I was there, I was living in Chicago at the time, drove into Pittsburgh. Cause I, they told me he had six months or less. And I drove in from Chicago and he was gone in six days. So I was there with him and, uh, you know, but I mean, that whole thing is, I mean, it's honor your father, you know, honor your father and mother. I was there. That was my guy. You know, I took care of him. He took care of me, you know, later in life. And the, the last thing my dad wrote, cause he couldn't talk. He had, he was traped, uh, he had really bad cancer. I took up his voice box and, um, he just said, be better than me. He like, just be better than me. Wow. And wow, that's good. Uh, and he said, like, just do that. He goes, I'm proud of you. You know, take care of your little brother. He has another son. Um, I told him I'd take care of him. And that's what I do. So, you know, so we just work on being better. So it's wild. Here's the, the program is in my Bible for his, uh, for his thing. And you'll notice it's the Steelers font. Nice. So, yeah. Wow. Whole, That's great. Yeah. So everybody was instructed to wear Steelers stuff to his, his funeral and yeah. black and gold. Cause oh, wow. That's how I buried him in his Penguins jersey. Nice. And we'll put terrible towels in the casket oh, wow. before. Yeah. True so. Pitts, Pittsburghian. All right. <laughs> what's, the, what's the word? What do you guys call yourselves in Pittsburgh? I mean, uh, I, Pittsburgher, I guess. I don't, Pittsburgher. I don't know. True Pittsburgher. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. great. What way to go out in Pittsburgh? I, I grew up in Altoona, which is, you know, it, we're not quite Pittsburgh, but we're the, kind of a little Pittsburgh, I guess you'd try to, I guess you'd say that's, we try to call ourselves, but we're not, not quite there. That's <laughs> right, right, great. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 yeah. 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 You're, yeah no, I, I, I love your story. I love how, you know, you, you kind of get into the gritty of all the stuff that, that happened. And, and there's a lot that I want to unpack about that. Um, the first thing I want, I want to ask you is before we go back and cover more of the, you know, the childhood, how did you ever come? How, you know, keep going with your story. How did, so how did you, you know, you, you knew God wanted you to go into ministry or how did you, how did you overcome that? Cause a lot of people, become statistics. They become a statistic. They end up in, in prison. They end up committing suicide. They end up becoming an addict. So how did you decide I'm going to break through this and, and not going to become a statistic? I mean, was there ever, um, you know, a purposeful mindset about that or was it just God just brought you through the whole thing? How did, how did it happen for you? Um, I had praying grandmothers <laughs> like that's, that's it. I had praying grandmothers and who prayed nonstop. They prayed for all their kids. They knew what the, what the situation was and they prayed, um, you know, and we like a lot of times we want to joke and say like, you know, well, well, I need more than prayer. Well, I mean, sure. In certain instances, but there's a lot of stuff that we can't control. And if you can get control of the spiritual aspect, things can begin to shift. And, 
that's one thing that my grandmothers made sure happened for me is that things shifted because they prayed it into existence and they prayed it in the spirit to make sure that I was taken care of and make sure I was protected. Um, that's, that's one big thing. My mom, same thing. Once she got her life together, she prayed and, you know, she was a type, she was always praying Psalm 91 over me. And, you know, I knew at seven years old, I was going to be a, a pastor. I just knew. And, and so that's just something that I hung on to and I just ran towards. So, you know, I lived, I lived in Homewood. I lived in Wilkinsburg. I lived in these areas where everything around me was crazy, but the Lord always protected me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. my mom always brings up, I had a pirate hat that had, uh, under the bill, I wrote no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I used to walk to church. Uh, we went to Covenant Church in Pittsburgh, and I could walk there from a house, but it's gang area. And I was not close to gang like at all. And, you know, it was just something like I walked, I made it, you know, there were no issues, there were no problems. Um, you know, it, uh, a lot of prayer and a lot of focus and just knowing who I was. If you don't know who you are, you'll get in anything. If you don't know your purpose, you can get in anything. But if you can connect somebody to their purpose, then everything shifts, everything changes. Um, you know, so you just start focus. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is the direction I'm going to go. Um, if you're all willy nilly about it, then, you know, anything comes, you know, but my mom was very adamant about me and my brother not being statistics you know, not being normal, you know, we are, I mean, we are two, you know, I mean, we're, you know, I'm 44, my brother's 40. We are two black men that grew up in the hood who can swim uh, hmm. because our moms made us swim. So when people be like, black people can't swim. I mean, <laughs> yes, I can. Like I can swim. We, we eat everything, you know, like we can, we can go anywhere and we can fit in. You know, my brother is a high level businessman and business consultant who handles millions of dollars in transactions a year. Dude is, dude is insane. You know, we, we were just raised to be different. And so we knew what our purpose was and we just ran after our purpose. Just never, never sidestep. And so like, I believe that if you, that's what dad's help with. Dad's help you find your purpose, you know, they help you find like, this is what you're great at. And then they encourage you in it, encourage you to push forward, you know, a great dad will do that. And so I just had a lot of men that rallied around me and helped me like that. Uh, you know, the hot wheels track that, um, that when the car, like it slows down it, but then it get, hits that one spot and it has like the speed booster yeah, yep. propel the car on. That's what it was like for me. I always had somebody there to continue to propel me forward in my, in my, in my mission. Uh, so. Yeah. You know, now speaking about now I mean, talking about that, going, going a little further with that first, first of all, with your mom, what did she do? What's some of the things she did for the single moms listening to this? What are some of the things that she did for you as a child, a teenager to help propel you in that right direction? Um, my, my mom, one, she always prayed over us um, out loud, physically. 
So my mom would do drive-by prayers. If she was praying, you got prayed for. If you were in the house, you got prayed for. I had friends that were Jehovah Witnesses that were in my house playing Super Nintendo that got prayed for with oil on their head. Like, and we'd be sitting there playing Super Nintendo. She does not care what was happening in that house. If you were in the house, you were getting oil put on. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what you believed. It, it Nothing. Nothing mattered. So she would come through. She'd be praying. And she would put her hands on you and pray over you. And then keep walking. And I just never, I never stopped. Like, I just kept doing what I was doing because I was used to it. And my friends yeah. were just, oh, oh, oh. is this what's happening? <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Just chill. You know, so that's one. You know, my mom was very, was very adamant about that and displaying that publicly uh, this is what we do this is who we are and my mom was also a safe place for me yeah so when i screwed up i would always tell my mom everything like i would go out like i would do i'd do random stuff like i I'd come home and be like hey mom hey here's what i was doing you know it was not nothing it wasn't like oh i was out here smoking crack you know not, nothing like that but you know i was like yo i was out here I, yo i made out with this girl She's like, you know, you shouldn't be kissing them girls. I'm like, well, listen, hey, you know, and she was like, all right, well, you need to stop. You need to calm down. Like it was never anger. It was never, it was always just like, okay, well, here we go. You know, and she always just, you know, she was safe. She was always safe. Um, it was never, she never yelled. She never hit me. She never flew off the handle it was always i'm your safe place i always will be and me and my mom still have a great relationship like great i, I talked to her i drove home it was a six-hour drive home from new york the other day and i talked to her for two and a half like yeah about two hours like wow i mean we're close she lives in swissville man i, I mean she's yeah. right there so. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. That's, that's great. I love that. So you, she, one of the things that really spoke to me while you were saying that was she just kind of brought God into your home and kept major home. What's we, what's we teach single moms in our curriculum? One of the things is we tell them like, make God the center of your home and help your kids understand that, that God will fill the role of their dad. And so that sounds like that's what she did for you was helped you, you know, with that through that whole process. Um, now going back to, you said, you said there was men men invested in you talk, talk more about that for the mentors out there even for the churches out there that are listening to this um how they can get the men involved with the fatherless boys and teenagers i mean i just had i had guys that just understood they saw and they saw what i was going through they saw where i was at and they were like hey i got you hmm. you know like you know because when i was younger i mean I, I got kicked out of a school so like I got kicked out of greater works and then I had to go to Bethel Christian Academy, which was a blessing because that connected me with Bethel assembly of God, blah, 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 blah. Hence I'm an assembly of God pastor now. Anyway. Um, but you know, these guys would see and they're like, Oh, you see how I'm acting out. You see the situations that I have. And then they hear the story and then they go, Oh, so then they began to help, you know, then they began to, they would begin to maneuver through what I was into and they would get to the root of the issue, you know, yeah. and the, of, you know, a lot of it was trust. 
you know, I had major trust issues and major rebellion because I didn't trust you. I don't trust anything. I don't know. You know, it's time. And it takes me really looking at myself and going, this is who I am. Um, you know, but I had teacher Mr. Money. He was that. I had a teacher, um, uh, or a principal was Keith Holt, who is the brother of John Holt. John Holt is the father of Aaron Holt. So that's, that's my whole connection with that whole family is through that. And the, they were just men that helped, you know, I, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. Holt had a, had a son, Kevin, that I hung out with all the time. I, I would stay at their house. They would make me lunch. They would let me, they would let me stay over so that I could go to youth group, you know, and I wouldn't have to worry about it. Like I wouldn't have to go home, you know, all the way on the East side of town, you know, like they would just take care of me. Um, you know, after high school, you know, I had a guy, Glenn Whitfield, you know, and his wife, they would come and pick me up. They would come from Millvale to Homewood to pick me up and then take me out to Allison Park for church and then pass their house to drop me off and come back. So it was just people who saw where I was and saw what I lacked and saw what I needed and then made sure that I was taken care of. It was like the Lord just spoke to them and let them know this is what needs to happen. And so just looking and seeing it can be the smallest thing like Glenn and Robin. It was a ride, you know, they just took me places and yeah. helped me experience some crazy stuff. And we, we had a blast. We had fun. You know, they, they're still some of my closest friends because they were always there. So it's just see the people and then give these, give these kids opportunity, you know, opportunity that they wouldn't normally have, you know, baseball games, you know, teach them how to swim. You know, like there, yeah. there was stuff like that. It, it's big. You know, teach them how to go to a nice restaurant and eat properly. Yeah. You know, teach them how to treat a woman right. You know, mm -hmm. like make it a. It it has to be a point. I learned all that stuff from these men. That's you great. know, it wasn't. I didn't learn. I didn't. I didn't learn that in the home. I learned it from random men who decided to teach me. Like this is how you treat a woman. You know, there's a guy Bill Stern. I dated his daughter and dude, dude could have threw me through a wall. He could have, he was a pipe fitter, dude, big old boy, big old boy. And you know, he's like, nah, this is the way you're going to treat women. It was his nice. daughter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he could have killed me. And he was just like, nah, this is how you're going to treat a woman. You know, I learned that from him. You know, I learned that from other men. So we just have to look at these people and understand that, uh, you know, if you don't have training, you don't have training. So what do you do if you're untrained? You know, are, are we going to put a bunch of people out on the field who are untrained and let them play football? I mean, yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers probably right now, yes, that's what we are doing. But, um, uh, but you know, like, if, if they weren't trained, then, oh my gosh, it's time to train them. So how do we take these students and do that? How do we take these kids and do that? You know, Covenant did, uh, did a program called Brothers Keeper where they would do that for young people. They would do that for the fatherless. So, yeah. you know, can, can we do that? Can we teach these kids how to cook? Can we teach them how to barbecue? Stuff like that. Now, were you part of that program? Or was that after you were out from Covenant? I wasn't a part of it. Um, 
I wasn't a part of it because I didn't like anybody. Um, like I was like, man, I don't want to do that because I didn't I didn't like the people that were in it. I was like, yeah, nah, they're not my friend. So, so yours wasn't a formal but, program. It was just a bunch of people that that cared for you and they were there for you. I mean, they were that you knew yep. that they were available, and I. I, I could completely understand. I have the same type of thing. I have people that even either today or tomorrow, I'm having my vehicle worked on by one of my mentors from high school. And so he's still there. You know what I mean? I, I totally understand. And it wasn't like he was my, Hey, will you be my mentor? And you know, which it, that could, it, that can work if you want to do it that way. But it was just an organic thing where this guy was a youth you know, leader. He helped, he helped in the youth group. He worked a regular job, but he was just helping out and I knew he was available and he cared about me and I would hang out at his house and, and it just, they just were an encouragement. You know what I'm saying? We weren't, and you can do this. I mean, we have, you know, we have our devotionals and stuff. You can work through fatherless journey, things like that. But for me with this guy, it was just going to his house and knowing that I had a place that I could hang out and he would talk to me and share, he would tell me about the Bible. And, and it was just an encouragement. You know what I'm saying? It didn't have to be a program, right? And, and programs work. Yeah. They do work, but it doesn't have to be that. Doesn't have to be some form. I think I think mm-hmm. we overcomplicate this issue of fatherlessness, right? I mean, what do you think about that? Where we make it, it has to be. Well, we have to have this whole program, and we have. Well, you can do that. I mean, I'm not against this. I have friends that run great programs, but yours was organic, just like mine. And I think, um, I think the devil uses it where people get like, well, you know, how can I be a mentor? I can't get involved in this, or how can our church start something like that? Just get the men involved with the kids that need some help, right? You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, you you know, you got to give somebody a hug every week. Yeah. You know, like he get, that's, I mean, that's what happened with me and a guy. Um, there was a dude living an alternative lifestyle and walking out of alternative lifestyle at church. And I knew every time I saw him, I had to give him a hug every time. And I gave him a hug all the time. And when I left that church, he goes, bro, you helped me develop who I am because you weren't afraid to hug me and you weren't a love. You weren't afraid to show me like godly man love. Yeah. You know, like that didn't want anything for me and wasn't scared of me. Yo. And it's just like, you know, how can you just hug on somebody and let them know you love them? Yeah. You know, like just. Like that's all somebody. Sometimes that's all they need. Somebody say, "Hey man, hey, just need you to know I love you, man. I love you. I care about you. You know that goes a long way." So yeah, I I liked what you said. You you were you were telling people on Facebook you love them, and then your wife uh, she got into your onto your phone and made sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she was looking at her phone. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I'm like, hey, listen, if I tell you I love you. Don't freak out. Like I'm in a good place. I'm not, I'm not tapping out. I'm just saying. And she's like, who are you telling? You love them. Like, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful with that, right? Gonna, I'm like, you, you need to calm careful. down. You need <laughs> I thought that. that was pretty funny. Like, and then I posted the other post and the and her friend screenshot and sent it to her. It was like, look what your husband said now. I'm like, why are you always snitching? Our friends are snitches, man. I love how you keep it so, light, man. I like how you, know, you keep it light. You just kind of—that's what I enjoy about following you on Facebook. Is you just kind of keep things light and fun, and, and you, you have good humor about it, right? I mean, I, I enjoy that. Now, I want to touch two things before we have to close here. 
first thing is your stepdad. Um, how did you, you said there'd been some abuse and things like that. How did you come to forgiveness with him? Because I know a lot of times bitterness would just eat us alive. And I'm sure there was some bitterness there for you. How did you forgive him? Uh, I just did. It was, it's one of those, it's one of those things of like, he was a messed up dude and he was abused. And I just choose not to carry that with me because I didn't want to be like him. And I didn't want to have like a curse on my life that would cause me to follow the same path that he did and be that with my children. So I was like, I'm not going to let this harbor, like, I'm not going to harbor that in my heart. I'm not going to keep that with me. I can just go ahead and forgive him and move on. You know, he's still friends with my mom. Hmm. Like, they're still friends. He lives in my grandmama's house, my mom's mom's house. Like, she passed away. He lives, my stepdad lives in the house my mom owns. Oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's, they're still friends. They still talk. Like, it's not, it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. because forgiveness is forgiveness is amazing and forgiveness is needed. And so we just learned, you know, and my mom modeled that. So we just don't harbor that. Right? We can't we cannot allow our hearts to, to hold on to that because it's it's toxic and it ruins our current relationships. Yeah, but it's OK so. to break off relationships with people like your mom was like, I got to get this guy out of my life when you guys were kids because. He wasn't there. Oh, yeah. So it's good to break right. them off, but it's okay to forgive, forgive later. doesn't necessarily mean you have to have them living in your house. Right. But you know, you, you forgive yeah. them. And oh yeah. Yeah. Out. No, no, he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's just the way that that situation works. Yeah, out. exactly. Like, yeah. That's good. Man. I mean, yeah. He and I don't talk. It's not like, not, not like we talk on the phone, but I've seen him in the street and I'm like, what's up? Like, what's up, Mike? He's like, what's up? Like, it's nice. not a big deal. Plus I'm up with six, three, like two forty. So, I mean, <laughs> try something now you know <laughs> That's I awesome. need one more well, the last thing i want to ask you about is your dad now how did that go um he came back from the military how'd that go for you with restoration i mean did you guys ever have a really close relationship or you know i know you touched on it a little bit when he when he passed away he told you to do better than him and stuff like that but were you ever close when you were a teenager or did that not really ever happen i mean what happened there well, yeah, we wrote letters when he was in Germany. Um, you know, we talked when he was in Georgia. Uh, when I became, when he came back, I, I went down and saw him all the time because his house was right there. So I could yeah. run down and see him. I could be at his house in, you know, two minute run. So I did that all the time. And we'd hang out. Um, my aunt, his sister owned a daycare center that, you know, she took care of me in the summer. So I was always with my dad for that because he was the cook for that. So we hung out. We had fun. Like, you know, he was my man. And, you know, when I got married, he, you know, he knew when I got pregnant, he was one of, you know, well, not me, but, um, but, you know, he was one of the first people that knew, you know, um, it was a whole thing. And so he was a major part of my life when his brother died and when uh, his stepdad died, you know, people were leaning on him and he felt like it was too much. And he called me crying. He's like, you know, Andre, I need help. You know, and so we just had that relationship and he was like, you're one of the most stable dudes I know. So help me through this. Help talk me through it. You don't want to look gave me wisdom for that. And so, I mean, that's, that's my man. You know, that. Yeah. Was there ever a time like, I mean, where... he's like, that's my son and yeah. him, you know, that's good. So 
Did he ever bring you up? Or did he kind of just let it go, like not being around when you were little and stuff like that? Or did you just kind of, because you wrote letters, it wasn't like an no, awkward, no. okay. That's good. No, that's never good. awkward. The only thing, the only thing he, the only thing he wishes that he goes, I wish I would have killed your stepdad. And that's real. Like, that's just honest. He goes, I should have killed him. I promised my brother I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill him. Hmm. He, well, he promised, they were on the phone and he said, my, my uncle Joey said, promise you won't shoot him. He goes, I promise I won't shoot him. And then he got off the phone and my uncle Rocky made uncle Joey call him back and say, promise you won't do anything. And my dad was mad because he was like, okay, I can't shoot him, but I can stab him. So, um, and so he was mad that he made that promise, but you know, I told him, Hey, you're here. You got to see my family grow. You know, you got to see us. We're part of your lives. I'm okay. So that's good. Good, good, good. Well, we have to wrap up. We're about to get cut off here. Um, tell us where we can find you. Tell us where, you know, where uh, everybody listening can find your ministry and find you. Um, Jesus loves barbecue.com is the easiest way to find me, uh, you know, or barbecue church, but you got to spell it out, you know, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E church.com. That's where I am. That's where I live. Andre Steven Anderson, Steven with a V on Facebook, where I post all my crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, man, we out here partying. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today. <laughs>